Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. When a mustard seed is planted, according to the natural law of life, it grows into a small and tender herb with succulent leaves. Yet the parable in Luke 13 tells of a mustard seed growing into a great tree with birds lodging in the branches. And this unlikely distortion is presented as a picture of an aspect of the kingdom of God. Is this a positive development or one from which we should take a strong and serious warning from the Lord? We'll explore it on today's Life Study. Bob Danker has joined us again. Bob, welcome back. It's good to be back, Chris. Uh, This portion in the Gospel of Luke is particularly enlightening, I would say, and uh, it might go against the concept of many believers today, but we all have to open ourselves to the Lord and be faithful to the revelation in His Word, His pure Word, and receive His Word as it is without introducing our own preferences, our own prejudices. We just need to receive the light in the Word of the Lord. Bob, that's a a very good exhortation, I think, for all of us as we uh, come to this program today particularly. Chapter 13 has uh, a lot in it. There are a couple of other stories. We want to save most of our time to focus on these two parables. But I thought as an introduction, it might be good to uh, touch uh, what leads into these two parables. And that is a story that begins in chapter 13 at verse 14 about a woman who had been uh, suffering for 18 years from an ailment whereby she could not stand erect but was doubled over. Uh, And uh, the Lord met her in the synagogue one day uh, on a Sabbath day and took it upon himself to heal her, and it brings out a reaction from the ruler of the synagogue that I want to read. Uh, Begins at verse 14. But the ruler of the synagogue, being indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, answered and said to the crowd, There are six days in which man should work. Therefore come on them and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, Hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger, and lead it away and water it. And this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, behold, for eighteen years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day? Bob, I did want to touch this story because it sets up, I think, uh, a bit of what we'll touch when we get to these parables. Quickly, what is the significance of this encounter between the Lord Jesus and the religious leader? Well, as we have seen throughout our broadcasts in this gospel, the Lord In his ministry, he came to bring in the Jubilee. He came to bring God's people out of the oppression under Satan's usurping hand, and he came to bring them into the full enjoyment of God. And so here in the synagogue, there was a woman who was clearly under the oppression of the enemy. She was bent over. She couldn't stand erect and look into the heavens. She had to look at the earth all the time. And the Lord without being asked, initiated this healing himself. So this means that he did something deliberately, 
of his own initiation on the Sabbath day. This was a strong indication that the Lord did not come to keep the deformed regulations of the Jewish religion. He came to carry out the New Testament jubilee. And here we can see that this ruler of the synagogue, by opposing the Lord, exposed the hypocrisy of his religion and of his own religious views. The Lord exposed this hypocrisy in a marvelous way. He said, you, on the Sabbath day, you lead your donkey to drink water. Right. And yet here is a daughter of Abraham who has been oppressed by Satan for 18 years, and I came to release her from that oppression, and now you are opposing me. You are a hypocrite. So the Lord exposed the hypocrisy of religion, also exposed the opposition of religion, and shows that religion is a principal opposition to the carrying out of the New Testament jubilee. And I believe as the Lord's disciples were there observing everything, they got also a strong indication from the Lord that in his ministry he did not care at all for the deformed regulations of the Jewish religion, but he came to bring God's people out of that bondage and into the release and the enjoyment of the New Testament Jubilee. I think, Bob, it's good to point out that by this term uh, religion, we don't exclusively mean here the Jewish religion. Really, the religion in the context in which we're using it now implies anything that is done to God, to worship God, to bring ourselves into a state of trying to please God apart from a living, vital connection and uh, relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right, Chris. We are not here uh, just saying that the Jewish religion opposes God. Any kind of religion, anything that is related to God but without the living person of Christ, that is a religion, and that will keep us from enjoying the New Testament jubilee. Okay, that's the backdrop upon which we now find these two short parables in verses 18, 19, and 20. Let me read them quickly, and then we'll join Witness Lee. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I liken it? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and threw into his own garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of heaven roosted in its branches. And again he said, to what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until the whole was leavened. Two parables, Bob, each depicting something related to the kingdom. Let's join Witness Lee. The Lord began to talk about kingdom, not in a positive way, but in a negative way. He talked about the kingdom of God, likening it to two things, to the mustard seed becoming a tree, not remaining in its own kind. You know, in Genesis 1, when God created all the vegetables, he did it after its own kind. But here, the mustard seed does not grow after its own kind. It grows into another kind. This is a breaching of the principle ordained by God in his creation. Then another parable. The kingdom is likened to leaven. The leaven taken by a woman and put into the lump. Then the whole lump was leavened. In the Bible, both in Old Testament and in the New, 
leaven never conveys a positive denotation. It always conveys very negative significance, especially in the four Gospels. The Lord never uses leaven in a positive sense, but all the way in a negative sense. You better spend some time to get into Matthew 13 with the notes and the life study messages. Bob, maybe we'll uh, ask you to do what he uh, suggested here, and that is take us back to Matthew 13 and the notes uh, that we received uh, as we got into this portion in Matthew 13. Talk to us a little bit about the understanding and interpretation we are hearing related to these two parables, the mustard seed and the leaven. Well, as Witness Lee pointed out, Chris, when you plant any kind of a seed, it should grow up to be a plant that is according to its own kind. But in this case, in this parable, A mustard seed was planted, but a tree was produced. Now, the question is, is this positive or is it negative? Is the Lord intending to point out something positive here or negative? Well, the answer is that it is negative. Because here, the mustard seed changes its nature to become a tree. This is against the law of God's creation. God would never do such a thing. And God did not set up the creation to behave in such a way. And not only did it change its nature, it changed its function. Because this tree, instead of supplying food to feed man as a mustard plant would do, this tree lodges birds in its branches. So the function is different. The nature is different and the function is different. In nature, a mustard seed is an annual plant. That means it comes and it goes. This is a good picture of the church in its relationship to the world. The church is in the world, but the church is sojourning in the world, Uh not settling in the world permanently. Like a tree. But a tree, of course, roots itself deep into the earth and settles itself there, and then it grows there and, and lives there for a long period of time. This is contrary to the nature of an herb. And then, of course, we saw... The tree lodges the birds. Are the birds positive or are they negative? Well, in order to decide, we have to interpret this by using the Bible, not by using our own imagination. In Luke chapter 8, the birds there represent Satan and the evil spirits. That means that here, in this parable of the mustard seed, the birds here are not positive. They represent Satan with all the evil persons and things related to him. Now, Chris, what about the leaven here? Some people have imagined that leaven is positive. But if we are fair and if we're honest in reading the scriptures, we have to conclude that leaven is something negative. In the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, God said that leaven should not be seen among his people and that there should be no leaven in the meal offering. And then in the Gospels, the Lord warned his disciples against the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then in his epistles, Paul said that the believers in Corinth should purge out the leaven Mm -hmm. from themselves. You see, leaven is not something positive. It denotes our sinful nature and all the evil things, including pagan ways of living and worshiping, including heretical teachings, and all the evil things that come out of our sinful nature. So this account of a woman hiding leaven in three measures of fine flour, the leaven here is altogether negative. 
the measures of the fine flour is positive. Here it typifies Christ and the revelation of Christ that is contained in the Bible, in the Scriptures. But this woman here hid evil things or mixed in evil things with this fine flour to leaven the entire content of this meal here. This is not something positive. So, Bob, how do we see a relationship now between these two negative things and the kingdom of God or the aspect of the kingdom of God that he is pointing out? Well, Chris, I think here we can relate these two parables to Christendom in a larger sense. The church on the earth is a mustard seed and is fine flour. Right. But the church, through the course of history, became Christendom something related to Christ, in which people do many things in the name of Christ. But in these things that they do, we don't see the reality of the kingdom of God. Instead, we see evil things are mixed in with the things that are done in the name of Christ. This is a kind of a mixture which has changed the nature and the function uh, here in forming what we call today Christendom. Bob, I want to go back to Witness Lee uh, because he develops this now. Uh, we're seeing as this life study of Luke goes on, and, and the focus, of course, being the reality of the Jubilee, a lot of connection now between the Jubilee in Luke and the kingdom as presented in Matthew. And he's going to touch the impact that this change of nature has now had upon the Jubilee. Let's go back to Witness Lee. By these parables... You have to see that this jubilee has come. It has come as the kingdom of God for the recovery of the last right for us to enjoy God, right? This jubilee has come. The kingdom of God, don't forget, is just the reality of the contents of the jubilee. Without the kingdom of God, there's no jubilee. But after a certain time, this jubilee becomes rotten in its contents, leavened. So by this, the jubilee will lose its nature. Look at today's situation. In Christendom, where is the jubilee? The real nature of jubilee has been lost. So rogue rise in a way to cover all the points about Jubilee. You must be governed in understanding this gospel by the principle of Jubilee because this was proclaimed in chapter 4. Whatever is mentioned in the following chapters up to chapter 24 is related either directly or indirectly to the jubilee. That means to the kingdom of God for the release of the captives and for the recovery of the inheritance. Right? It has been brought in through the death and resurrection of Christ. And it has been there in Acts and in epistles then probably from the end of the first century, this jubilee began to be lost. And it has been lost. By what way do we know? By these two parables. Well, Bob, we know of, of a certainty that the jubilee was really ushered in by the Lord Jesus in 
figure in his earthly ministry, but in reality it is death and resurrection. But as we just heard, beginning at the first century, something has happened that has changed the nature of the Jubilee, hasn't there? That's right, Chris. And we know that according to these two parables, the kingdom of God here, the Lord was speaking about the kingdom, and the kingdom is the reality of the Jubilee. If there is no kingdom, there's no Jubilee. And to be brought into the kingdom of God in reality is to be released from all oppression of Satan and to be ushered into a realm where we can enjoy God to the uttermost. We can have the full enjoyment of God as our inheritance. This is the kingdom. But here, according to these parables, the kingdom of God at one point was changed in its nature. We know that if something changes in its nature, then that thing has been lost. You don't have the original thing anymore. That's right. You lose that original thing Mm -hmm. which you had. So the kingdom in its reality is the jubilee. But if the kingdom is changed in its nature by the addition of certain evil things and evil matters, then if it's corrupted and becomes rotten, then, of course, the jubilee is gone. So if we are related to this altered kingdom, then in our experience, we will not enjoy the jubilee. We will feel that we are in some kind of bondage and we are kept away from the enjoyment of God. This is a sign that we need to come back to the reality of the kingdom to enjoy the jubilee again. Uh, that's uh, a good lead-in to where we're going, this matter of coming back, because now we find another encounter between the Lord Jesus and a Pharisee, uh, also in chapter 13, beginning at verse 31. And it says, In the same hour some Pharisees came up, saying to him, Get out and go from here, for Herod wants to kill you. So here they are threatening the Lord Jesus. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and accomplish healings today and tomorrow, and on the third day I am perfected. Of course, referring to his coming crucifixion and resurrection. However, I must journey today and tomorrow and on the following day, because it is not acceptable for a prophet to perish outside of Jerusalem. So here he definitely foretelling, Bob, of the coming event that he knew was looming. And then, Bob, he brings us in verse 35, as we will hear in this coming segment, He brings us to this word, concluding the chapter. You shall by no means see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, really pointing us to his second coming. Let's see how this relates to the Jubilee. Now, in the same hour, some Pharisees came up. These are the jealous Pharisees. Came up saying to him, Get out and go from here, for Herod wants to kill you. You think the Lord Jesus was threatened? Verse 32, And he said to them, Go and tell this fox. (laughs) The Lord Jesus was not afraid that his word would go to Herod. Don't forget, Herod was the tetrarch by that time. Go and tell this fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I am perfected. What does this mean? I will reach my goal. I will accomplish what I intend to do. Today, tomorrow, on the third day, in resurrection, I will be perfected. 
I have reached my goal. <laughs> Don't bother me. You can do nothing. I'm the sovereign one. You are not. Who is Herod? A fox. You might be afraid of him, but I'm not. Go and tell him. Today, tomorrow, I cast out demons. I perform the healings in this mass schedule. The last day and the third day, I'll be perfected. I'll finish my job. I'll reach my goal. However, I must journey today and tomorrow because it's not acceptable for a prophet to perish outside of Jerusalem. I have to die there. Don't interrupt. Don't frustrate. Don't bother me. I'm my goal, and my goal is to die. How about this? What is this? It's marvelous. Today, tomorrow, I'm going. But last day, I'm going to die to reach my goal. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, they killed the prophets and stones those who have been sent to her. And I tell you, you shall by no means see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This refers to his second coming. Can you see? The message brings us through today, tomorrow, and the third day and brings us into resurrection. Then eventually, he will bring us to the time of his return. When will be the full jubilee? Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And this one will bring in the millennium, the full jubilee. Bob, this is interesting. They thought they could threaten the Lord Jesus, even scare him off by the intimidation of Herod, who had already by now beheaded John the Baptist. But this matter of death, uh, as we just heard, fits into his schedule already. So there was no threat there, was it? In fact, he was really pointing this whole thing to his coming again, where the full jubilee will be restored. That's marvelous, Chris. I tell you, the Lord here is just so wonderful in the way he faced this situation. The Lord knew that in order to bring in the Jubilee in a real way, he had to die and he had to resurrect. And in order to bring the Jewish people who were rejecting him into the Jubilee, he also had to come again. Yes, He had to return. At that time, the Jews will turn to him and receive him as their Savior, and he will bring them into the Jubilee. But uh, here we can see that, again, not only religion was trying to frustrate the Lord from carrying out the Jubilee, but here the worldly ruler Herod was uh, trying to do something to keep the Lord from reaching his goal. But the Lord is the Lord, and Herod is a little fox. So the Lord was not afraid of him at all, but simply told him, I'm going to carry out my own schedule, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. I'm going to Jerusalem because that's where it has been appointed for me to die. I'm going to die there. I'm going to die on the very day of the Passover, as prophesied in the Old Testament, and you can't stop me. And I'm going to resurrect from the dead and bring in the New Testament Jubilee. And then I'm going to come again to bring in the full enjoyment of the Jubilee in the millennium. This is a tremendous word from the Lord, how he came in his ministry to carry out God's Jubilee. He was opposed by religion 
and seemingly politics, worldly politics was there to oppose him, but nothing could stop him from accomplishing his mission to bring all God's chosen people into the Jubilee. Bob, you said the Lord Jesus is marvelous. Uh, His word is marvelous, and I have to say, this unfolding of the word that we've uh, enjoyed today has also been marvelous. I absolutely agree. Well, we hope that uh, if you're listening, you are also uh, being touched by the marvelousness of the Lord and His Word and the divine revelation that is coming through these Life Study messages. We hope you'll contact us to receive these printed Life Study messages. They have a lot more detail, and I know we're touching things that, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of the program, probably a bit different than your previous understanding in some cases, and we hope you'll look into these things in much more uh, detail and prayerfully before the Lord and in His Word. I'll give you our toll-free number. You can contact us about getting this printed material. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online free of charge that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.